This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missinelli Podcast, a special post game podcast today as the Eagles play on Thursday night football and they win. They beat the Minnesota Vikings. 34 to 28. We got a lot to boil down. Of course, the podcast episode number uh, 112 on Friday, September 15th is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Let me just say from the start that uh, I never play parlays. I played a Bet Rivers parlay yesterday uh, and I hit two of them. You know, they went over the total. Uh, no, I didn't hit any. I hit one of them because the line had moved. The, uh, the parlay line was six and a half. It went down to six, so I lost out to six and a half. I also had A.J. Brown getting a touchdown, Goddard getting a touchdown, which that did not happen. I will never play another parlay in my life. But it's fun to play the parlays and make sure you're playing those parlays on Bet Rivers. All right, this was a night that started out with the offense and the quarterback, again, in a little bit of a slog. But the Eagles, fortunately, had another lever to pull, and they pulled it, and We'll give him credit for pulling that lever. They bailed him out because they went to the running attack, and they took apart a deluded Minnesota Vikings team. You know what you're going to get with the Vikings. If the Vikings are willing to give you four turnovers, you're probably going to win the game. Um, but out of nowhere comes the running game and DeAndre Swift, who last week got one carry, got one target, got caught one pass for, not, for zero yards. Now um, – they, t- they they take him out of cobwebs because Kenneth Gainwell, absent last night with an injury, uh, scratched, uh, and, and DeAndre Swift shows great energy and rushes 28 times for a career-high 175. Uh, and it was a plan they, they, they almost had to go to by necessity because they really were not moving the ball the conventional way that they usually move the ball. We'll get into that uh, in a second. Now, uh, make no mistake, the, the Eagles were helped last night by, by Minnesota's turnovers. The Vikings fumbled it away four times. But here's the good part of that. Every one of those fumbles was caused by the Eagles. It wasn't like Minnesota just gave it up, right? So you, you look, look at, the, at the fumbles uh, that were forced by the Eagles. The big punt return, which really would have given the Minnesota Vikings a lift, the fumble uh, uh, Brandon Powell forced by Justin Evans uh, on that return. Big play by him. And then Avante Maddox punches the fumble out of the hands of uh, Alexander Madison, the running back. And then the strip sack by Josh Sweat, who was a monster last night uh, on Cousins. And then finally, the biggest one of the night, which was the fumble by Justin Jefferson over the pylon, kind of forced by Terrell Edwards. So I'll, I'll give Edwards some credit. He pursued, he made the tackle, he made it uncomfortable for, for a guy who was trying to stretch the goal line. And the ball pops loose, and, and the ball now goes over the pylon. Um, listen, I, I'm glad that the Eagles won. But that's the most one of the most ridiculous rules I've ever seen. Um, why should an offensive team that makes a play like that and gets close to their own goal line get punished when the other team really didn't take the ball away? I'm going to bring Darren in here as a student of football 
as we digress on what happened in this game. Why is that rule in existence? What is the purpose of the rule? Uh, Mike, it's it's an archaic rule. I agree with you. Um, you know, though, part of me says, hold on to the damn ball when you're inside the five yard line. You should be more careful as a as a runner that you don't fumble right here. I mean, Barry Sanders is one of the all time greatest running backs ever, and he would get pulled when they would get in the red zone because he would fumble down there. But that's not really the point, because if you fumble the ball before the pylon, it's not going to hurt you. Just because you fumbled the ball over the pylon, it hurts you. You're making an effort to try to score for your team. Why should that be punished uh, over a matter of a couple of feet? But you know, if the ball goes out of bounds and you're trying to stretch before the pylon, you get the ball right there, and you still have a chance to score, and the good play is rewarded. Because of, Now, I know the genesis of the rule. The genesis of the rule is people fumbling into the end zone to get an advantage. And so if you're going to do that, you risk then the ball going out of the end zone and you lose possession completely. But there's got to be some kind of an uh, subjective interpretation of, of, why, of, of the punishment. The Vikings got punished, in my view, because the rule stinks. And that should not be the spirit of football. It would be. It's not the only rule that I would change. But yes, for sure, um, you are definitely punishing the offense big time for it. And it's a huge swing uh, momentum wise and a huge uh, swing on the scoreboard. If the Eagles convert, you know, if the other team converts. All right. So I know I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for the Vikings by, by any stretch of the imagination. So, so let's look uh, now at the game that happened after the Eagles had taken a 10, seven lead with two forty-four left in the half. So the Vikings were driving and by, by all measures, the, the Vikings should have been in the lead at halftime, but they weren't. And that was one of the big reasons why. So, and this was also after the Eagles had changed gears by running the football. All of a sudden, they come out with an old-school drive that gets them that touchdown to make it 10-7. 16 plays, 13 of them were runs, and they went 75 yards and churned up the clock. In fact, the time of possession in this game is ridiculous. The Eagles doubled them, like 40-20. to 20. They had seven runs in a row on this drive. Now, it, it, it is nice to know that the Eagles do have that gear where they can run the ball. And if you notice, the offensive linemen love blocking that. Uh, and, and Lane Johnson was going to the sideline, keep it rolling, keep it rolling, um, because they they really you're, – if you're playing that kind of a gap defense that Minnesota's playing, uh, that, that that zone that they they set up in, there's there's a lot of gaps. And if you're blowing guys off the ball, you're going to be successful. And, that, and the Vikings couldn't handle them last night. They got completely blown off the ball. So a lot of it was DeAndre Swift and fresh energy, but – most of it was the offensive line really carving that path for him uh, in in this game. Uh, okay, so uh, now after after the Jefferson play, which kind of flips the momentum, the the Vikings uh, give it up, and the, the Eagles take over at the twenty on the touchback. Now, with that little time left, I'm thinking the Eagles aren't really looking to score there, but but somehow they get a burst and, and they move the ball down the field. And they set up a 61-yarder, Jake Elliott. I mean, who's uh, listen? I gotta be honest with you. I'm I'm wildly impressed by the guy. It's been pretty phenomenal uh, that he can kick uh, uh, these long field goals, and he and he bangs home a 61-yarder, which gives the Eagles a little momentum going into the half, 13 to seven, because the Vikings were going to get the second half kickoff. But let's look at the first half now, because this brings in a discussion about Jalen Hurts. He hit the big one 
to Devontae Smith, which was a bad play by the safety who had his back turned on the play. It was a jump ball, and he does make that play. You take that play out, the Eagles in the first half, 14 pass plays that accounted for 22 yards. Um, and you can see, uh, you know, I'm listen, I'm, I was doing the postgame show last night on Jacob Media, and uh, uh, Seth Joyner uh, tweets out, uh, I, the level of impatience that I see in Hurts right now, I've never seen before. He's forcing things, and he is. He, he does not look as comfortable as he did last year. Now, here's the thing. All these defensive coordinators have a lot of time to figure out what's what to do with him. Uh, Belichick in game one uh, showed kind of a template, and, and Vance Joseph last night said, okay, we're going to be relentless to go after the guy. Uh, and, and we're going to put heat on him, and we'll see if he can beat that and deliver it. But it's better to get on him early to disrupt his his sight mechanics, and, and that's what I think is happening with, with Hertz. Uh, he is forcing things. So um, let me bring Darren in here. Uh, what is your level of concern now with the way Jalen Hurts is playing? It's Look, I, it's, it's definitely um, a mid-level concern. Uh, he was a little better than he was – last week but remember the last game was only four days prior three four days prior so there wasn't a whole lot of time for him to go back and work on the mistakes that he made in week one that said like last week he's still showing signs of lack of repetitions and i know you do it in practice and i know there's joint practices but particularly for the quarterback none of those reps are really live they're not getting touched there's no fear of getting hit. There's no urgency. When there's no fear of getting hit, there's no urgency. So, a lot of hits. Uh, he's getting battered uh, yes. a lot more than than he should be getting hit right now. And that that's problematic. It's game two, and and he's taking a lot of hits. So they're gonna have to figure out something. They've got a lot of time to figure it out. But let's do, continue but let on with this game because about that though, Mike, because my lotta really kind of took a step backwards as the season went on last year. My lotta got beat a few, uh, a few times, certainly more than we're accustomed to seeing in the second half of last season. He was brutal last week, and he gave up a, a few shots for, on Jalen yes or last night. So I, I'm concerned a little bit with my lotta right now. More than any other one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not as concerned. I, I thought, you know, like last night, they, they found a comfort zone with just blowing uh, that team off the ball. Well, you know, when they play to a good team, against a really good team, if that hurts, that's going to be the test, whether they can uh, survive uh, that way. But let's let's go back now. It's, it's now 13-7. to seven, And on the first possession, which is very important for the Vikings to get something established, Cousins gets sacked. By sweat, he fumbles. Fletcher Cox recovers it at the seven. That's the fourth turnover. At that point, you go a team that turns the ball over four times. Four times, there's no chance to win. And, and in fact, they didn't. Even though they, they kind of hung in there. And, and when the Eagles had a big lead, they scored a couple of touchdowns. But uh, Swift carries to the goal line, and and they, <laughs> and they do the sneak for the touchdown, which is unstoppable by Hertz. And I'm thinking to myself. Yeah, maybe you want to get Swift a touchdown there. I don't know. It's like varsity blues where they wouldn't give that guy a chance to score. They always went with the fullback. Uh, and, and they have to go with this sneak, which is unstoppable. But I hate the play. I I, I think the NFL has to come in and stop that, that quarterback sneak scrum where you get weight behind a quarterback and you get the push. It's just not a football play. It, it, I don't like it at all. And it benefits the Eagles, so I know Eagle fans don't care about it. I just don't like the play. I, 
it, it has nothing to do with scheming of football play. Uh, and uh, so they get it and they, they never miss on it. I think they miss one time every time he's tried to run that. But that, that puts him up 20 to 7. What do you think of that play? Do you like that play? Do you like that rugby scrum? I mean, I, did, I liked it a lot last year. I kind of feel the same way as you do this year a little bit. Like, um, it's tired now. It's tired. It's tired. It's unimaginative. I get it. But it's automatic, man. You need a, you need a short yardage. I think, I think only twice last year out of like, I want to say 50-something chances they took with that play. I think only twice they didn't get yeah, it. The, the, and the most rules, of them were with Gardner Minshew. The rules committee has talked about it. They decided to pass on it. I assume that uh, this offseason that, that rule will be changed. But anyway, that's 20-7. to seven, And then uh, on the next possession, Hurts makes his best play of the night. Pressure in his face. He holds his ground. Hits Devontae. 63-yard bomb. Beats him clean. 27 to 7 with 10:54 left in the game and I'm going okay well let's go let's go have a snack at that point you know that game is over and somehow Cousins hits a bomb to Jordan Addison and to, this is where we have to discuss because there was a lot of miscommunication towards the end of that game in that secondary I know they're playing some young guys uh, Josh Job got beat on that play but Terrell Edmonds Went the wrong way and, and 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 went to the wrong guy and 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 Josh Job was beaten by uh, uh, in in single coverage there, um, and that made it twenty seven to fourteen. Now, the one thing I didn't think the Vikings did enough because we talked about it going into the game in preview in this game was to hit the middle of the field. Um, and Hawkinson had a few catches. He really didn't burn them that that. Now I'm thinking that the Vikings were going to. We're going to really hit the middle of that field. And Morrow wearing the headset last night, Zach Cunningham, and they were played okay. Uh, but their safeties, I didn't think, uh, played that well. Edmonds made the play on Jefferson. But I thought that the Vikings could have taken advantage of a lot more in the middle of the field. Now, that being said, they threw the ball a lot, and Cousins wound up with a lot of yards last night. I thought Cunningham played really well. I think I thought maybe he might have been the best defensive player of the night overall. But you're right. I thought Hawkinson was going to have a huge day. The fact that O'Connell didn't go to him early and often was really surprising. All right. So uh, 27 uh, to 14. And then the Vikings in the fourth quarter, they get uh, a, a little more. Uh, gumption to get back in the game. And uh, K.J. Osborne is wide open on that play. And we talk about the secondary looking confused because Jefferson on that next play, K.J. Osborne uh, was wide open on a play uh, and he gets the 10-yard touchdown. Jefferson goes in motion and it didn't look like anybody followed him. I mean, this is Justin Jefferson. He's going from the right side to the left side. He gets into the secondary with really nobody following him and, and they were laid on cover, covering in that play. And we were talking about it that uh, that that's a Darius Slay call. Slay, as the most experienced defensive back out there, really has to set those guys straight at that point to know what they're doing. If Justin Jefferson is going from right to left, you got to follow him. Well, they're clearly in his own coverage there, Mike. If he goes with him, that's a lot. Of, a lot of teams use motion just to determine the coverage. So if, if Slay goes with him there, and Cousins knows that they're in man. If he stays, then they, he knows they're in zone. So it's going to make a determination of where his uh, progression is going. Well, I, I thought it was a sloppy play that they they just kind of let happen, and uh, and then uh, of course uh, after uh, the uh, the Eagles drive, they, the Eagles had had a drive after that. It fizzled a little bit. I thought they're going to put it away there. They wound up getting another touchdown a little later. A uh, big forty three yard rush by uh, DeAndre Swift uh, was in uh, that package. So 
So the Eagles are now two and zero. And um, I listen. I this is not a, a cause for worry. We, we, see, here's the thing: we're, we're used to what they did last year, and so anything that looks different than last year, we're saying, "Oh my God!" But the bottom line is, they they've won two games. And uh, really, that, that's all you can ask for. And their, their, their schedule coming up is very manageable. And you, you got a lot of time to heal with guys that are all banged up. Uh, so they won't play a game until the following Monday on Monday Night Football uh, against Tampa Bay, which has a pretty good defense. But I, I think that, that certainly the first five games are winnable. And I, I would be surprised that they lost any one of these games. Uh, where do you think they stand right now, Darren? I mean, I, I there's no reason they should lose any of these next three or four games. Two and zero is two and zero. This team did not play offensively together at all in the preseason. They showed it last week. Some of the rust came off, I thought, in the second half of last uh, last night with the running game and the play calling. He seemed to get in a bit of a rhythm there, Johnson, last night. Finally, in the second half. Uh, and by the way, boy, I did not think DeAndre Swift had a game like that in him between the tackles. I never thought of him as a runner in that in that form, and he was dynamic last night. Yeah, I think they're going to be fine for now. They got to get healthy. They they benefited from a little mini buy here, and uh, they've got a few. You know, if you want to say the cupcake part of their schedule coming up while they're injured, that's the time to have it. Yeah, DeAndre Swift thought about Rolexes for the offensive lineman last night because they uh, really made it easy for him. Well, let's bring in the man who covered the game last night for the Philly Voice, uh, Eagles beat writer Jimmy Kemsky. Hello, Jimmy. How you feeling today? I'm tired. I got to bed at like 4:30, and I was up at nine. So uh, I got a and now I got a long drive to go get my daughter. So <laughs> no no rest for the weary. You got 13 days off for crying out loud. <laughs> oh, oh for sure. Yeah, it's not a mini buy for the players. It's it's for for just the players. It's for the uh, all right. Now, now, too. Uh, it, it's interesting the reaction that the Eagle fans have. This is now the second game in a row where perfection. It wasn't at their doorstep. And so a lot of people like to freak out because they don't they don't see perfection. And, and a lot of people like to worry if the quarterback is not playing at the level of, of MVP that he played at last year. So, right. so where, where do they stand right now in your eyes after watching those two games? What are they? Yeah, I mean, the one thing that they can really rely on at any time is that run game, as we saw last night, obviously. And they didn't do anything special. It was just a lot of inside zone, and they ran it straight ahead, right at them. Like, we're not trying to fool them in any way. The Vikings knew exactly what was coming, and they couldn't stop it. So I think when you have that luxury to rely on, you always have something special. And you can win games like they did Thursday night. Certainly, the passing game is not on track right now. And I think it's concerning, um, you know, as you mentioned right before I came on, they're 2-0. And, you know, a, a road win in New England against Bill Belichick in bad weather nothing to sneeze at. You know, you win a, a a short rest game when you're, you know, down a starting cornerback, you're down a starting safety. Um, you're down your, one of your, your top linebacker again, nothing to sneeze at there either. So, um, you know, they've weathered some injuries here early. They have some, you know, some added now with, I don't know if you saw the Derek Gunn report, but it looks like it's going to be a while for Avante Maddox. So, you know, they're going to have some, some, obstacles to get over in their, in their back seven to Kobe Dean's on IR. He's not going to be back until week six, but the two, the two areas where they're, they have underperformed, you know, I mean, obviously relatively to last season is the passing game, both offensively and defensively, defensively, they're the number one pass defense in the NFL last year. And they've really struggled in the middle of the field 
uh, both against the Patriots and then last night against Kirk Cousins and, and the Vikings. And then offensively, it's just not clicking yet. So um, I'm going to steal a stat from Shiel Kapadia of the Ringer real quick. He pointed to uh, a stat called success rate. And this is going to sound really nerdy for a second. Just bear with me. It's based on EPA, which is expected points uh, you know, per, per play, um, which gives sort of a rating. It's positive or negative or whatever. And success rate looks at basically just each play. Is it a positive or negative EPA? So Jalen Hurts' success rate was 20-something percent over the first two weeks of the season, which it doesn't measure explosive plays. It doesn't measure like the worst plays like interceptions or fumbles or things like that. It's just how often is a play working or not working? And of 600 quarterback performances between now and the start of the 2021 season, his performance last last night ranked 593 in success rate. And I think that matches the eye test just in terms of, you know, how often plays were working in the past game. So, you know, like you mentioned, it's only week two. Um, they've had some obstacles to overcome early. But I do think it is a success, uh, a concerning thing to look forward to the next. The, the, you need to see them turn it around the next few weeks. Yeah, here's the the, the bigger picture, I guess. L- listen, we we um, uh, Hertz set a standard last year that we're we're measuring uh, uh, every yeah. time he plays. So uh, maybe that's a little unfair. But it, you know, people are noticing he's not as assertive as he was last last year in decision making, and it looks like defenses are are really trying to get on him quicker to disrupt that RPO type type of a, a thing that worked so well last year. Yeah. Uh, and he looks puzzled by it. So is that a product of Hertz? Is that a product of the, the new offensive coordinator? How do we decipher all this? Yeah. So Jason Kelsey made a point last night, like they're not going to see anything vanilla anymore. You're not going to get like cover one, that kind of stuff. And he mentioned that, I mean, well, he didn't mention this, but you know, it was what Brian Flores did last night was he just threw a lot of different things at him where they were blitzing a lot, but then they were also sending eight guys in coverage and only rushing three. So they're really mixing up what they were doing and making them think a lot. And the way that Jason Kelsey described it was quote unquote chaos. And he said, that's going to be the name of the game this season because it's worked for these first two teams, the first two weeks of the season, they can expect that going forward. So they know what they're, they're what they're up against. They're up against chaos <laughs> offensively. And, and with these schemes that they're going to see the, the rest of the season. And yeah, it's going to be up to Jalen hurts and it's going to be up to Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni to figure out how to combat all that. And, and you basically put together an offensive game plan that puts them in a position to succeed. Because as you mentioned, like comparing what they did last year, is almost unfair because they were so elite and so ridiculously hard to stop in so many different ways. Like we took away the run, they could beat with the pass. We took away the pass and beat with the run, but now they're just throwing chaos at them. And it's going to, it may, may take some time for them to figure it out. All right, let's look at the, uh, the, the running back situation here. Cause I, you know, listen, they are absolutely in love with Kenneth Gainwell. And <laughs> yeah. there, there, there was no question that he was going to be the, their number one guy and all. And Swift gets two touches last week and all of yeah. a sudden they get him off the mat. And, and uh, he does what he, he he did last night. How does that change the the landscape and the mindset? I, I I really do not understand why he was so little used last week, and they were kind of forced to use him. So what did they learn? Yeah, so that was a big debate in like the fantasy football community, like nationally, who was going to get the most touches of the Eagles running backs. And you know, I get a lot of questions about that because of that. And I was like, so Kenneth Gainwell got way more touches during training camp and during the preseason games than. DeAndre Swift did my mind. It was just, Oh, they're saving DeAndre Swift because you watch practice every day 
it was crystal clear that DeAndre Swift was a far more talented running back. So my mind, okay, week one comes around, you're, we're going to see a lot of DeAndre Swift, and that just didn't happen. Kenny Gamble gets 18 touches week one. Swift got two. 18 versus two. It's crazy. And then, of course, Gamble gets hurt. They're forced to play Swift, and Swift goes off. So I have all these, you know, I'm doing all these interviews with uh, fantasy football people, and, like, you know, they're taking my advice, and they're drafting DeAndre Swift high. And now, like, after week one, everyone's like, yo, dude, you were wrong on that. <laughs> like your, your read on that was wrong. I was like, well, yeah. I mean, they, for some reason, they really seem to, to like and trust Kenny Gainwell. But I think we saw, uh, you know, on Thursday night that DeAndre Swift is just a far, far more talented player. And it's, you know, sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's criminal to, you know, to, to put Kenny Gainwell back into his role if he's ready to go in week three. Well, they, they do have, and we're talking about Jimmy Kempsky, the Philly voice, they they really do have this loyalty to the drafted players. <laughs> yeah. We've seen it in the past. I mean, so Jimmy, uh, in in this whole scheme, I know they're, they're very loyal to their, to their drafted players, uh, but when a guy like DeAndre Swift shows that kind of ability to bust the game open with that kind of numbers, um, do they dare go back to Gainwell as, as their number one guy when he gets healthy and, and make it co- sort of like a 60-40 Gainwell to Swift? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see like the 18 to, to 2 uh, ratio anymore. But uh, yeah, I think Swift will be the main guy going forward. Now, I think you have to have Swift get more touches than any of the other backs. By the way, Rashad Penny, I didn't think looked great. He only he only touched the ball three times, but I thought he looked a little sluggish in that game last night. So I don't know how much he'll be involved. I think he'll go back to sort of being inactive. They'll throw in Boston Scott a little bit here and there. But yeah, I think it's going to be something more like, I think 60 is about right. But I think it's 60 Swift maybe like 30 Gainwell and 10 Boston Scott. Okay. So, so right now, uh, in your opinion, uh, Swift will be the number one guy. <laughs> we'll see. I, if that yeah, I mean, he has to be after that game. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so now they've got this, this mini buy. What do you think the focus will be on over these next 13 days uh, on what they need to do? Yeah. I mean, it's the chaos thing that I, that I talked about with Kelsey. And then I think defensively, They've really gotten, uh, you know, great production out of their pass rush, and it's been, it's been a letdown from the back seven that they've been unable. To, I think what Sean Desai wants from his defense is they want the first read taken away, so that just takes another, you know, half second for the pass rush to get home, and they've done a poor job taking the first read away. So I think there's going to be a focus on that. And, you know, obviously injuries have something to do with that. But so, you know, they're, they're going to get guys presumably like James Bradbury back, uh, like Reed Blankenship more than likely back again. Nicobe Dean won't be back until week six. So that'll help. But um, they're going to have to figure out a way to take that first read away from these opposing quarterbacks that are getting the ball out so quickly. That's defensively uh, all right, so and the, offensively. The, they're really going to have uh, to look hard at what the at what Bill Belichick and what uh, the Vikings defense tried to do to them the, the first week of the season. They'll have, you know, uh, a lot more opportunity to self-scout in that regard as well. But they're going to have to figure out this chaos theory that, that you know, Jason Kelsey talks so much about after the game. Oh, one of the good things, Jordan Davis played well last night. Sweat played out of his mind. Uh, they're getting yeah. contributions from Jalen Carter. They are not uh, getting it from Hassan Reddick right now. Uh, what's the cause of worry? Yeah. Uh, I know the thumb is, is really got to be bothering him because he needs his hands. Uh, to, to really play, be effective. Uh, what's going on there? Yeah, so you can't really see how much his hand is wrapped up. 
uh, with when he's on the field, but in the locker room after the game, he, he's got like a big splint on that thing. So he's it's I would say that that hand is more or less useless to him, which is not good for what he is as a pastor. He's got speed and he can beat you around the edge and and he can counter that with inside moves. But he also does so much. A lot of there's a lot of hand fighting in pass rushing, and with him, he, re, he utilizes a push pull move that that's been great for him and being able to you know knock hands down. Of, uh, of offensive tackles that are trying to block him. So, yeah, I think that that has a lot to do with why he's been quiet these first two weeks. As you mentioned, Josh Sweat, five QB hits last night, a sack, a forced fumble, almost had a second forced fumble, came close uh, when the Vikings were in the red zone. I actually scored a touchdown on that play. And then Jordan Davis, man, like as you mentioned with him, only had 17 snaps last night, and it wasn't really, quote-unquote, a Jordan Davis game because the Vikings just completely abandoned the run more or less from the coin toss on. And so he didn't play a lot in that game, only 17 snaps, but he had the, he had one, we all saw the one rep where he just dusted. Uh, I think it was the center. It got, you know, with the quickness that that guy has for a six, six, 340 pound guy is crazy. And then he had another on his sack, basically just bulldozes. I don't, I don't remember if it's the center or the left guard bulldozes that guy back, makes the tight end fall over the tight end falls into Kirk cousins, Kirk cousins falls over and Jordan Davis just touches him down for a sack. He got shut out sacks as a rookie. And then, you know, year two, he comes out, he's got a sack in each of the first two games. So really encouraging first couple of games for him. Yeah. Uh, looks he, like he, he might, uh, might be the player that they hoped he would be when they, when they drafted him 13th overall. He absolutely brutalized that center and and then sweat hurt to tackle. I mean, just manhandle him to, to the point of injury. Uh, oh yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was pretty entertaining to see. Just the last thing I want to talk to you about, I'm curious to know what your opinion on this. There are two things that are bugging me, the rules-wise. And one is the Jefferson okay. play. I know it benefited the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. But I just think that's such a ridiculous play to punish a, a, an offensive team that made a really good offensive play and reward a team that right. really didn't make any play. And whether that's you think that's going to be looked at uh, in the future. And also the... The, the quarterback sneak scrum, uh, I've had enough of it. Uh, it's not really? a, To me, okay. it's not a football play. It, it's unstoppable. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just don't like it. Your thoughts? All right, I'll, I'll respectfully disagree with you on the second one. I mean, they can't – it's unstoppable because the Eagles are so good at it. Like, Jason Kelsey is a master of the QB sneak. It's not, the, push, the push from behind certainly helps. But there are two teams that ran it the week one or tried to. It was the Colts. And somebody else, Shane Steichen with the Colts tried to run in. There's another team. Neither of them got it. So like there is some sort of skill level to be able to still do that. It's it's not as the Eagles make it seem easy because they're so good at it. And I don't think they should be punished because they've gotten so good at something that nobody can stop. I'm okay with the sneak. Can't do. Yeah, yeah I'm okay, okay with the sneak. The He's strong enough to get the sneak. I just don't like yeah. the, the the extra 500 pounds pushing forward. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes it silly. Uh, but the other one with the Justin Jefferson play, I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, if you for, if you fumble at the 40 yard line and it goes out of bounds, you get the ball right where you fumbled it. And but you know, if you fumble at the one and the ball goes through the end zone, you're penal, penalized with a turnover. I agree with you certainly there. I mean, there should be some other. Like you, maybe you shouldn't just get the ball back at the one. Maybe if you pull it back to the 10 or something like that, I can get on board with that. But to just have that, you know, become an almost touchdown into a turnover. I mean, that was a huge swing in that game, obviously, because the Eagles get the ball at the 20. They, they run, I think it was five plays. They go from their own 20 to the Vikings 43, I think. And then Jake Elliott has, has a 61 yard field goal. It's a 10 point swing at the end of that game because of a very weird call. I agree. 
And with regard to the quarterback sneak, guys, you know, the quarterback has a lot to do with it. They, they didn't get it two or three times last year, and I'm almost positive at least two of those they three. They didn't get it once. When Minshew was under center. It was stopped once last year. Uh, there you go. And who was the quarterback? Minshew. <laughs> so I think the Hertz Packers stopped a Hurts sneak one time last Did year. They? Yeah. And then you, I think you're right about Minshew as well. Minshew ran one of the lamest sneaks I've ever seen in my life last year. It was bad. I think it was against <laughs> the Saints. Jimmy, <laughs> thank right. you. We appreciate it. And we'll uh, talk to you up the road, okay? Thanks, guys. Take care. It's the Mike Nussanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty. Thanks, Jimmy Kempsky, for hanging out with us. He covered the game last night. And uh, yeah, the bottom line is the Eagles are 2-0. Um, they're in good shape record-wise. And, you know, we, we find a way in Philadelphia to worry about stuff, which is okay, because that means we're concerned. But uh, uh, right now, I don't know that there's worry, other than if you ask yourself the question, um, will a really good team um, get, have an edge on the way the Eagles are playing right now? And probably, yeah, but they won't get to a really good team for a while. So they've got a lot of time to iron out some stuff and the quarterback get some confidence back and the offensive coordinator get on the same page. So let's close it down for today. Um, the Mike Vicinelli podcast course brought to you by uh, Bet Rivers. Uh, thanks uh, to the people at Bet Rivers. And this is a kind of a bonus podcast today, post-game podcast. We'll do this after every game. And uh, we'll go back, of course, uh, to our twice-a-week schedule next week. The Eagles now will not play until September 25th against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a long time without football. I hate it because the days drone on and you got to pay attention to the Phillies and um, the Phillies now are, are in a situation. They're, they're fine too. So settle down, everybody. The Eagles are fine. The Phillies are fine. We're going to have postseason in Philadelphia. That's all good. And it's different than it used to be. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Again, you can get in touch with me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. You follow me on Twitter, MikeMiss25. And I think uh, I have to remind you that today is Friday. So on uh, MikeMiss.com, my website, you will get the Mike Miss Friday vlog as I go over some things that happened last night and get into some quirky stuff in the story that is bugging me the most this week. Stay tuned for that. Check them out my website, MikeMiss.com. For Darren DeGatano back there at the studio, uh, I am Mike Misnelli. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's going to be a nice weekend, I hope. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Misnelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.